0: Undercover Boss is an Emmy Award-winning reality television program that features high-level corporate executives that slip anonymously into the working ranks of their own companies to examine the inner workings of the business. My favorite part of the program is called The Big Reveal. I mean no disrespect by saying that Jesus came to this earth sort of like an undercover boss. He left the splendors of His heavenly corner office and disguised Himself in humanity. On the Mount of Transfiguration, he briefly revealed his true identity to three of his disciples. However, the most vivid picture of the glorified Jesus appears in the last book of the Bible, appropriately called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now.
1: Hello and welcome to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis and wherever you are and however you may be listening, thanks for spending part of your day with us. Today, Ron explores one of the most mysterious books in God's holy inspired word, the Revelation of Jesus Christ. It was given to the Apostle John during his exile on the island of Patmos. And although it's already been shared with the world, It remains a mystery to many. Stay with us right now or look for us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get yours. And now from the book of Revelation and his teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth and the Return of Jesus Christ. Here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, The Big reveal
0: no matter what you did this week nothing you did makes him love you more or less than he than he presently and continuously does he he loves you with a perfect love and this is why uh, elsewhere in the new testament in ephesians chapter 3 the apostle paul told us to try to grasp the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of the love of god which surpasses all knowledge he says Why does John, at the beginning of the revelation here, remind us that God loves us? Well, perhaps because as we read through this this mysterious book, this prophetic book, and we begin to grasp the judgment of God that falls upon this planet, as we race toward the end of the age, it may make us wonder, does God really love us? (laughs) And John says, yes, he does. To him who loves us. Before we get mysterious and complex and, and, and scratching our heads and trying to unpack and figure all this out, he just wants us to understand the simplicity. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the revelation tells me so. The Bible tells me so. Secondly, he freed us. He says, to him who loves us, and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Wow, those are important words. He freed us. This speaks of the cross of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. This is love in action. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And you say I don't understand that? I don't either. I didn't write the script. If I were to write the script and come up with a way for us to be rightly related to God and for to have our sins forgiven, it wouldn't involve blood and death and all that. But the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And it was through the blood of Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross that God freed us from our sins. You see, sin is addicting, is it not? And I know as a culture, we, we can probably rattle off four or five, you know, the top addictions out there, drugs, alcohol, you know, things like that. But all sin is addicting. All sin enslaves us. And when Jesus came to this earth, he, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to set free the captives. You want to be set free today from that addicting sin That sin that does so easily beset you, that reaches in and grabs you by the throat and slams you to the mat every time, nothing but the blood of Jesus will do that. He has freed us from our sins by the blood. That's good news, friends. That's good news because there's going to be a lot of blood shed in the latter part of the book of Revelation. And there's no blood that cleanses us more. There's no blood that frees us like the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for our sins. But not a lot of us, I I think, really understand this in all of its depth. You know, I'm told by historians that back shortly after the Civil War period and after the Emancipation Proclamation, many of the slaves in the South either didn't get the news or they didn't believe it when they received it because they continued to live as slaves. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine somebody coming into the southern states and saying, the war is over. The president has issued the Emancipation Proclamation. You're free. And they had been enslaved for so many years. They didn't know what to do with that. And many of them, historians tell us, continued to live as slaves. Again, they either didn't get the news, or when they received the news, they didn't believe it. And that's the way a lot of us are as believers in Jesus Christ. He has freed us from our sins by his blood. What once enslaved you doesn't enslave you anymore. has no authority in your life. This is the uh, truth of the book of Romans, chapter 6, that tells us, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Uh, Romans 6, verse 17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which we were committed and have been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. You're going to be a slave to something and so will I. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we're, we're, we're slaves to righteousness. And the old besetting sin has no authority in our life. Now you can either believe that and live like it, or you can live like an old slave Continually enslaving yourself to the old sin. John wants us to remember as the present work of Jesus in our life that he loves us and he has freed us. His love shapes our identity. His freedom gives us a new power to live the Christian life like we can't live on our own. And then thirdly, he says he made us. He made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He made us. He he fitted us for a purpose, for a purpose. Your your life is not meaningless and neither is mine. And He made us, He says, a kingdom, priest to His God and Father, which means he, he, He made us to be a royal priesthood, sons and daughters of the King, all right, giving us great purpose in this life. He loves you. He freed you. He made you for a purpose. I mean, does that not give any one of us in this room reason to live and to live victoriously? And because He made us sons and daughters of the King, do you know we have unique access to this Jesus of the Revelation? Um, Most of you know I lived in Washington, D.C. for about 10 years. And uh, like you, I I enjoyed a lot of the sights and the places to visit. you, you can go visit the White House just like anybody else. You can take a, an East Wing tour of the White House, and you can see the red room and the green room and the blue room and, I don't know, whatever other colors there are the, the state dining room. you can go visit that. But you won't have any access to the President. Nobody does. Now, if you know somebody in Congress, they can actually schedule for you a West Wing tour. This is a little more rare. I, I got this opportunity once, got to go on a West Wing tour. It was really fascinating. Oval Office is not as big as it looks like on television, but it's really quite fascinating. But if you go on a West Wing tour, you can only go when the president's traveling, because I don't have, I don't have access to the president, and neither do you. I remember that uh, photograph that was taken during the Kennedy administration. I think it was a Pulitzer Prize-winning photograph of President Kennedy sitting behind the Resolute desk there in the Oval Office, and this little boy named John John playing at his feet down below, peeking out through the cubbyhole. And you're thinking, "How, how did that little boy get inside the Oval Office? Well, there's a simple answer to that. That's his daddy behind the desk. You have access to such power and authority through relationship. And that's how it is in the Christian life. We are sons and daughters of the king, which is why the writer of Hebrews says, come boldly to the throne of grace. You study through the book of Revelation, and your heart goes pitter-patter a few times, and you wake up in the middle of the night wondering, wow, what's going to happen to me? And you cry out at three in the morning, daddy, daddy. And your heavenly Father says, yes, day or night, he's accessible to you, he's accessible to me. He made us a royal priesthood, he made us sons and daughters of the king. And that gives us great privilege and great access to this one who is the Jesus of the revelation. So so John is trying to anchor our thoughts in the past works of Jesus In his present and continuous works in our lives because by verse (laughs) 7 he's got us looking into the future listen to this behold he says in other words have I got your attention now behold listen up look up he is coming He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. John's so worked out here, worked up here. He puts a period at the end. He puts an amen there. He says, I could stop right here. This is exciting stuff because he's coming again. And he's doing the best he can as he writes these words and pens the revelation that has been given to him to bring about an arresting attention in our spirit. Behold, he says, he is coming. There is no event on God's future timetable more, more central to the end of the age than the second coming of Jesus Christ. And John skirts back a lot of events that are recorded actually in chapters 6 through 19 of the book of Revelation that we will go into much depth on. But he skirts back, uh, skirts through uh, all kinds of events there to bring us to the climactic event, which is the return of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is not only the central figure of human history but he is also the main character of the book of Revelation, and his return is the blessed hope of the church of Jesus Christ. Yes, we've been waiting for 2,000 years, waiting in hope and in faith for his near return, but he's coming, John says. He's on his way. He's coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. That's, that's very important, and descriptive language here, because it differentiates the second coming of Jesus Christ from another event in Bible prophecy known as the rapture of the church. And I need to say, and I'll probably do it many times throughout this series, but there are good godly people who disagree on matters of Bible prophecy. I mean, it is, it is a Herculean of, uh, effort to get your mind and your heart wrapped around the prophetic um. Uh, nature of scripture again 25% of the bible when it was written was about future events half of those future events have been uh, fulfilled specifically but but it's it's a lot to get your arms around and and good godly people that we might be in disagreement with order some events differently but as i understand the ordering of end time events uh, there there are two separate times Uh, that bookend a seven-year period of time, two separate events that bookend seven years, known as the tribulation period, known as Daniel's 70th week, uh, known as Jacob's trouble. And those two events are the second coming of Jesus Christ at the back end of those seven years and the rapture of the church at the front end. I I say two separate events because when the Apostle Paul speaks with detail about the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And you need to go there and read that for yourself. He talks about Jesus coming in the clouds, but in the twinkling of an eye. He also refers to that twinkling of an eye in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Here John says he will come and every eye will see him. Well, not at the rapture. Not not when he comes to snatch his church out of this earth, and it happens as quickly as your eye blinks. Not every eye will see him, but only those who know him. And Paul says that the dead in Christ will rise first, one of those seven resurrections of the dead. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with him in the air. It will happen so quickly in the twinkling of an eye. That's not what John's referring to here in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. He's referring to something that happens seven years later called the second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes with his church in the clouds and every eye on planet earth will see him. He's not trying to come quickly in the twinkling and move in and move out. No, he's coming for every eye to see him. John says, even those who pierced him... Certainly a reference to the Jews, many of whom deny Jesus as their Messiah. Uh, Certainly a reference to the Roman leaders who, humanly speaking, put him on the cross. But every eye will see him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him,
1: John says. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry. We depend on your prayers and financial support to help Ron share the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you give today, we want to say thank you with a special gift of our own, the complete audio download to the series you're hearing now from the book of Revelation, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, the last days of planet earth and the return of Jesus Christ. Again that's Mysteries of the Apocalypse, the last days of planet earth and the return of Jesus Christ a teaching series from Dr. Ron Jones, and for a limited time, our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to PO Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. Now let's join Ron for the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Big Reveal.
0: Several years ago when I was in Israel for the first time, I was traveling with our group and we had a wonderful Jewish guide with us But Bernice is a wonderful lady. Uh, You know, admittedly, she's not a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, She's a committed Jew and committed to her Judaism. And and she pulled me aside one time. We were standing outside the city of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, and she says, well, you know, Pastor, we're we're both waiting for the Messiah to come. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, I understand that. I said, but uh, when He comes, you Jews will say welcome. When he comes, we Christians will say, welcome back. Because we we see Jesus as having fulfilled all those Old Testament messianic prophecies. And we have the the ability... uh, on this side of the cross and the resurrection and as New Testament believers to read Old Testament messianic prophecies and see the first and second comings of Jesus Christ. And and those are detailed in even more detail in the New Testament and Paul's writings and elsewhere. Even the rapture of the church is implied in the book of Revelation, and I'll show you why and how in a few weeks. But John here is talking about the central event he skirts past the, revel- the rapture of the church. He skirts past the rising up of a world leader known as the Antichrist and, and the uh, negotiated agreement he makes on behalf of the nation of Israel. He moves past an event known uh, from Daniel's time as the uh, uh, abomination of desolation where that world leader goes into the Jewish temple which is rebuilt during this seven-year period of time. He desecrates it. He sets himself up for worship and becomes the worshiped uh, world dictator. Uh, John moves past the latter part of the uh, uh, tribulation period, known as the Great Tribulation, and past the uh, war to end all wars, known as the Battle of Armageddon, and and he brings us to this, this final event known as the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he wants us to stand in awe and 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 to have a sense of worship in our hearts at who this Jesus is because the next verse he speaks to us in verse 8 and he says I am the alpha and the omega says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come the almighty the apostle John who received the revelation and wrote it down for us is also the John who wrote the Gospel of John, and in the Gospel of John, he records the seven I am statements of Jesus. I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I am the resurrection and the life, and so on. Well, here's the eighth one. And how fitting that John is the one that records it. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first and the last. In other words, nothing starts or ends without me. Genesis 1 and verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It didn't start without Jesus, despite what the Jehovah's Witness say, that Jesus is a created being. No, he's not a created being. He's the creator. Check out Colossians chapter 1. Nothing starts, nothing began on planet earth without Jesus. In fact, he never had a beginning The Bible says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is an eternal God without beginning, without end. But as time-bound creatures, as we can only fathom in our minds time and not eternity, He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And He's not only that, but He is the one who is and who was and who is to come. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He is the Almighty God. Understand who this revelation is about before we ever get to the details of timelines and events and all the juicy stuff in Revelation that we get excited about. I told you it was a big reveal. And we're not even done with it. we got to come back next week as John goes on to reveal things about this Jesus, to see Jesus as you have never seen Him in your Sunday school lessons before. We'll see it here in the Revelation. Why? Because God, in his sovereignty, the keeper of secrets and mysteries, chose to pull back the veil enough for us to see Jesus in all of his glory. And to see things into the future, the things that must come, John says, is what this book is all about.
1: Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good radio message, The Big Reveal. Ron, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross was such a profound gift to mankind. It was an act of love that can hardly be put into words, but that's not the only sacrifice he made, is it? You're absolutely right, Brian. You know, Philippians
0: chapter 2, verses 6 through 8 tell us that although Jesus existed in the form of God... He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know, Brian, when we think about the sacrifice Jesus made to redeem us, let us not forget all the sacrifices he made prior to his voluntary and atoning death atop Calvary's hill. Nor let us forget that at the end, he was temporarily separated and forsaken by God the Father on our behalf. Words cannot express the profound nature of that sacrifice. And he did all of it so that you and I might spend eternity with him, despite the fact that all we really deserve is to be forever separated from him. This is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus made sacrifice upon sacrifice on our behalf to redeem us and make it possible for us to have a right relationship with
1: God forever and ever. Blessed be his holy name. That's Dr. Ron Jones with a final word on the sacrifice Jesus made so that all who believe in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Ron, as we wrap up today's Something Good radio broadcast, tell us where you're headed next time as you continue your teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse. Well, Brian, tomorrow we're staying in Revelation chapter
0: 1. There's a scene in which John describes Jesus this way, and His voice was as the sound of many waters and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Now these words were not written about Jesus when he lived on earth, but Jesus as he is now, and as he will be when he revisits the earth at the end of days. He will have all authority and all power, and I'll talk about that more in detail starting tomorrow, and if you're wondering what the seven stars
1: signify, you'll wanna tune in tomorrow because I'll be addressing that question as well. That's tomorrow in Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Mystery of the Seven Stars. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.